You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. So welcome back to The Reality Show, and this week I have with me a gentleman called David Balfour. Hello, David. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, So uh, we've approached the world of tech from different angles. Um, This side, we're going to be going on the sort of an agency side, because you are the founder of Light Blue, which is uh, a large and growing agency based out of Dubai, but soon Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we I started the agency 12 years ago in Dubai. We're an experiential agency. And, you know, it's come to the time to expand shop. And we've opened up in LA just recently. We're waiting for our office to be opened up in February 15th, I think, get the keys at Fairfax. And yeah, it's exciting times. Yeah, so... Before we talk about um, sort of what you do as an agency, the experiences that you do, the technology you use and so on, let's, let's go back to the beginning and talk about your story. So yep. how does one become the founder of a fantastic agency like this? What's your background? So my background is actually the drinks industry in Scotland. So um, my first job, I worked for Tennis Lager as a brand ambassador and uh, for an agency called Brand Ambassador, who at the time were part of Bass Brewers, they had the recruitment fees um, at Brasburg, so they started an agency, an internal agency. Fast forward five years, I then moved to Dubai uh, to work for Heineken as their brand manager. So, our astute listeners will think to themselves, is there much booze drunk in that part of the world? The, Would be a question. Yeah, I, I put a lot of weight on <laughs> when I moved to Dubai. The Dubai Stone is very much a true thing. Yeah. And uh, you're out, you're constantly engaging with bar owners and F&B directors. And, you know, Heineken is a fantastic brand, very forward thinking, so technology is massively important to them. And that's what really excited them about moving out to Dubai. You know, the, the land of opportunities is Disneyland for adults. And being able to create something over there and be part of that drive of, this is 16 years ago, you know, so it's you know, where it was there and what it is now is very different. And, and culturally, just before we get into some of the activations yeah. that you did, but culturally, how does it work there, particularly 16 years ago? Mm-hmm. I mean, is this, are you just marketing to expats, presumably? Or? Yeah, traditionally, it was, it's, a dr- it's a dark market, so it's hard to, to, to get to, the, to your consumer as a mm-hmm. brand that are used to ATLs and social and, and everything else. So we have to really work um, much harder to get to the right consumers and understand and allow them to see our brands, that we have, the portfolio brands that we have. So there's a lot of deals to be made with bar owners and F&B directors. And when I say deals, it's, it's what activations, what engagements are we going to be delivering within the outlet to yeah. make sure that we're... In the so actually, forward. given that, obviously, in a, well, in a well-run agency, you need to be very clear on your target market, the ROI you're getting and so on. Actually, Dubai's probably a good test case because you can't just do blanket stuff because no. half the people genuinely... They're not just not drinking your product, they're potentially not drinking anything. Absolutely, yeah. And you probably have to be careful about 
spill over and all that stuff. Yeah, so everything has got to be done within an, an, an outlet. Um, so it's, it's very targeted. So we have to work double hard because we, we can't just put a, a, you know, a, a banner up or um, do some moopies or anything like that. It's, it's literally it's targeted to that consumer. Because yeah. if we start targeting non-drinkers, then we'll get in trouble as a brand. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about some of the stuff you did there with Heineken. Oh, Heineken, you know, we, we they were one of the main sponsors of Rugby Sevens, so Rugby Sevens was of actually one of my first events that we created, uh, or created an experience for consumers. We did stuff like uh, the silent disco. Oh, yes. You know, so um, lots of crazy looking people dancing to what looked like no music from, that, from an outside perspective. Yeah. And it was, it was just about bringing something new and fresh to the region, something that they hadn't seen before. Where were they on the sort of technology curve compared to the UK where you'd come from? They were behind. Yeah. They love tech. They love, especially now. Now they're, they're probably still slightly behind. Yeah. But in terms of the consumers, not the governments, not the brands. Brands are very much at the forefront of everything. Um, the government, Dubai government and the UAE government are very much... You know they'll spend an, a lot of money in developing. Um, you know they've got a space center there now. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's they're really pushing boundaries over there. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So how did you move from you know working again? This is a route. A lot of people. Yeah. Know, how did you work from working for other people to working for yourself? So I I went from client side to agency side. So Momentum, part of the IPG network, yeah. uh, we're opening up. Uh, in, across the Middle East, and I was part of the kind of the senior management team that opened it up uh, along with my now business partner Ian, uh, who's now residing in Melbourne. And so we went back to that, started the whole agency culture, and I really enjoyed what I was doing as part of Momentum. Uh, it was just a shame that it wasn't exactly what Momentum wore in New York and London. It was. I think the Dubai market wasn't quite ready for it and expectations of what they were wanting to do with the, their, their brands that they currently have, their brands weren't in Dubai at the time. Like Amex weren't, weren't really part of the culture in, in, in the Middle East. They are now, There's you know, they're progressing a lot more. Um, and we just thought, you know what, why not? Let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of be our own boss and, you know, sold everything I had. To, to fund it and didn't pay myself for six months and you know worked out of a back bedroom with a dog huh. um, and and now we you know fast forward 12 years we're 45 of us within the agency well wow, that's a great story and I think you know, all the best all the best success stories start with sleeping in a car working yeah. in a back bedroom you know, <laughs> selling everything sometimes even selling the dog yeah. um, so when you had this kernel of an idea yeah. what is it that you wanted to offer your clients that made you different to other people it, it was very much you know back then you wanted to use the services of the the network that you were part of you know that's what we were pushed into nowadays you don't have to do that but at that time it was very much let's use media let's use outdoor and we'll use the network to 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 do so one of our things were and it's probably because i'm scottish and he's from hartlepool ian um, I think our work mentality is very different and it was quite new to that market. We do what needs to get done. Yeah. You know, we, if we have to do overnighters, 
I slept in that uh, Dubai ice rink for four days. My wife and kids would bring me clothes and food, yeah. you know. So it was very much you you do what it takes for to make the job happen. The other night we were talking about sort of when we contact people and getting replies from people saying, you know, arrange this with my yeah. my assistant and so yeah. on, and how you know when people need to arrange to meet you, they deal with you. Yes, and your activations, you'll be putting up pop-up banners, sometimes confusing some of the staff maybe who expect you to be more of a hands-off sort yeah. of boss. And that's the mentality that you started with and you've kept yeah. it even as you've grown. I think it's, it's important. I've got to understand, you know, for recruiting people and all the way from my production manager, you know, account execs, I've done that job. I understand the role, the responsibility, what needs to get done to deliver a great event, a great experience. So the fact that nowadays, you know, 12 years later, sometimes I do walk into an event and I've had nothing to do with it. I, I didn't even know we were actually maybe running that event. Um, but that's credit to the team of being able to deliver creative concepts, fantastic delivery, um, on budget and picking up the phone. And I think that's the thing for me is don't send an email when you can just pick up a phone and get an answer straight yeah, away. Absolutely. Um, don't schedule calls. Just if you've got something to ask the client, pick up the phone, ask yeah. the client. Be transparent with the client. You know, if there are things that are not working well because someone's let us down, go back to the client, let them know that this is happening, but this is what we're going to be doing to yeah, make it. Absolutely. You know, so I think that's the mentality we've always had, and you know, I think it has to start at the top. Yeah. You know, and very much my senior management team do exactly that. They're they're hands on. They travel. They go on site. We had a fantastic event at Soul DXB, which is a sneaker festival in Dubai. We had six brands, three days. We were live management, production, build, 10 days on site. And the whole team were down there, yeah. you know, painting things, putting things on the walls and making sure that the AV, the sound and light guys, the talent, you know, we're picking people at the airport up. That's all the team. Nothing goes outside of what we deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love the fact you call them sneakers rather than trainers. It shows how long you've been away and how well you're going to do in LA, I'm sure. Um, so let's talk about some of the experiences that you've yeah. created. Um, tell us about some of the more interesting ones and some of the clients you work with, subject to what you're allowed to say. No, um, so, you know, we work with PlayStation. Okay. Uh, we've been working with PlayStation for 12 years now. It's coming up to their PlayStation 5 launch, so we're in the middle of um, doing a strategy for that across the Middle East. We've worked with Tom Ford with their private plane collection, and that was possibly one of the the ones that you know we had six weeks from pitch to delivery. Uh, we created um, a, a giant experience that was twenty three meters by twenty three meters. I'm still getting used to the feet calculations. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and what was in this giant experience? I just want to get a feel for some of your creativity. Yeah, so it was a. It was a private experience for um, influencers, celebrities, high net worth spenders that were um, Tom Ford clients. Yeah. And then the opportunity to for the influencers to bring some of their followers as well on day three. So we only had uh, 750 guests coming through the door. It was um, it was done on blocks, so we had timings for people to come in. So we had groups of ten. So it was a very personal experience and they were very much welcomed by the voice of Tom Ford. So we created a full immersive experience where we wanted consumers not to necessarily have their phones because we did that for them. Yeah. We took images, we had hidden cameras, 
um, the everyone, everyone that walked in had a NFC card, so they would tap each room that they would enter, and that would trigger um, the cameras understanding that who was in the room. Yeah. So uh, within three hours after the actual event itself, the consumer, each consumer would have a perfect image of themselves. Well, actually, they would have four images sent by us. They would also have a 30-second video that we created for them within um, a photo experience booth. And we would also send them a CRM um, update on what fragrances they actually liked. So they would have a one-to-one personal contact with um, an executive from Tom Ford, a sales expert, and who then analyze, okay, here's the four that you liked, and we also recommend this one. Okay. So for us, it was, it was a fantastic event. It was immersive. We created a, an online experience as well that uh, within a, a glass cube, it was a 360 degree um, immersive experience that we actually then put on Facebook. We had 800,000 consumers watching it live. Um, the the actual outreach from a social perspective as well was enormous. We had, I think, over two and a half million impressions for an event that only had 750 guests. Yeah. So everything was all very much tech-led. Each experience, each room had different experiences, different technology, from touch screens uh, to touch tables where you know you could explore the brand and each product as well. From and we had 22 different products for um, the private lend experience. So I'm, I'm glad we went into this much detail on this one. This is actually sounds like almost sort of the perfect activation in the sense of the client gets data. Yeah. You client feels they've had a personal experience. It's immersive. It's multi-layered. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a real ROI in terms of sales. Plus, there's a social element. So we actually sold out of the fabulous product within three days across oh. the market in Dubai. Okay. Which again is you know completely. It blew everyone's minds. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the event, we had clients crying because they were that happy with it. I've never seen that, you know, where, because they're so invested into the event. I mean, Joseph Lucid, who's the creative director in New York, was there helping us put bulbs, the right bulbs in, temperature. So every detail within that space was immaculately delivered. Brilliant. And that was, it was one of my favorite ones. That That's fantastic. Yeah. And you have to be careful if you put making clients cry in your <laughs> yeah. objectives for a brief. But I, Free KPI. Yeah, yeah. And this one is the right type of crying. Yeah. Um, very good. That's, that's great. So, obviously, you've touched on technology. So, let's, let's talk about technology. Yep. So, you know, you've been doing this a long time, mm-hmm. both with the agency, but even before that. Obviously, the technology has changed out of recognition. Um, of all the varying technologies available, yeah. and you'll have a good sense of those, which ones have you deployed the most and which ones have you worked best for you? And you this know, doesn't have to be yeah. taking the sort of VRA, it could be anything, yeah. like say NFC, RFID, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the silent disco is using tech. Yeah, so absolutely. which technologies have you been best able to use to tell the stories you want your clients to tell? And I think you're right. I think what you just said there is telling that story, that storyline, you know, what's the story behind it? It's not using tech for the sake of tech. Yeah. It's making sure the narrative behind is right for the event and the brand and the consumers. So if we can tie that up together, then we can use any technology that we want. And we have some great partners that we work with. Um, you know, we've done gamification with Adidas, where we 
we created a physical game and then we as part of the game you got a leaders leadership board score it got sent to your phone you can keep on updating it you then will drive consumers to retail they could um as part of, depending on what score you get you can redeem 15 percent off or a, a gift with purchase so we've done stuff like that we've created um ar experiences for whiskey tasting you know so dubai airports is a dry airport for tasting so we were working with shivas uh, i think it was their brother's blend uh it was a purple bottle yeah. Right? Yeah. um don't look at me like that <laughs> this is not my whiskey podcast so i'm not allowed to give those views but yeah i think i know which one you mean and so you know we had colin scott on an ar coaster so you, you would hover your phone and then he could deliver that experience for the consumer that would we'll talk about tasting notes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was things like that that we, we had to use certain brands to experience so the consumer can experience it. Um, you know, we've used laser So just technology. on that one, because we, we do bits and pieces around that with, with our company, which we're not meant to talk about in this podcast, but sometimes do. Did you have an app or was it... A, a QR code. How did you it was activate? A QR code. Yes, QR code. Well, actually, it was it was um, a target. Yeah. So we created uh, it was it was their logo which created the target for us. Yeah. To allow on the coaster, so you you would have your glass and the glass would pop up on the coaster, so you'd be holding the coaster in your hand. Yeah. Your phone would be the activator, and it will go through that whole experience. So Colin's call would actually pop up. So no app, just no app. A, a sort of web AR. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So it was great. Uh, and, and if consumers didn't have, then we had iPads. Yeah. So we would have the, you know, right. it, was, it was a full kind of experience. Fantastic. Um, you know, we've done, we did something for the World Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, again, it was a coaster based and it actually allowed consumers to see the teams that would pop up. Yeah. So they would know what the players were, what bars you could go to, to go and watch the games. And, and that was something which was great because it was Budweiser, Adidas, and PlayStation were obviously the you know World Cup partners, and we got them involved into the whole activation as well. Yeah, very good. So from those type of experiences down up to um, you know VR experiences that we've created in the past, and I think sometimes when you create an experience for a brand and the brand think they understand it but they don't see the value of what goes behind it. You know, they'll give us a budget. Here's a budget. And we'll tell them this is going to be the limitations based on your budget and time frame. If we have more budget, then we could polish it off and create more of an experience, more of an immersive, add sound or sonic branding along to it. And it's, it's, it's that education element of this is what you get for your money at, that, at this point. Yeah, so this is something we like we talk about a lot, and it's obviously the company we think about a lot. Um, so, how do you experience with your brands their level of understanding, particularly when it comes to tech? Yeah, when they say they've got a budget for the event, and bear in mind, obviously, you're not just doing the tech; you're doing the whole service part of it. But you know, if you want to have VR headsets and content created, it's going to cost you X and Y. Do, yeah. Do they, do they have a feel for what these things really cost? Do they come back and say, that sounds like a lot of money for something I don't really understand? Absolutely. And so then we'll work with our partners, bring in demos. Yeah. We'll, we'll ensure that our team, you know, one of the things we, we do strategy, we do content, we do experiential, but then we talk about smart tech. 
we don't do it in house yep. for any tech because that's not our that's not our space, and we rather work with pros and bring the right partner on board. So then we'll reach out to our partners and go, right, I want to show a demo. Can you send us anything so we can go into our clients and sell it? This is the concept. This is the storyboard. This is how we're going to activate it. And this is why it makes sense for your brand. Um, some clients are, they get it. Some clients don't. Yeah. They might not see the value of it. You know, especially when it comes to, let's say, uh, VR, because it doesn't go then online or they can't see the connection between, you know, something that is a digital experience for a three day event to then push it on, you know, an online conversation. We did something for Mac makeup where we used a Snapchat lens. And I think we had a couple of hundred consumers in the space. Uh, it was their launch of their uh, Mac LCD um, collab. We created the Snapchat channel. Snapchat is big in the Middle East. Yeah. It's, it, compared to the States, you know, I don't think anyone actually uses it apart from maybe for the lenses. And that's how much people used it over there. So they would transfer and save that file and post it on Instagram. So then we were getting... Is that right? Okay. Yeah, so we were getting both outlets. We got over 200 million views. And this is a so virtual trying on of... No, it, it was a, a brought to life lens of their product. Oh, I see. So we created the product and it, it, it was brought to life on yeah. that. Uh, again, it was targets on walls that yeah. consumers would walk around and, and then really push that out. And that was a great example of something that Snapchat themselves were like, this was great. I mean, we've never had as much as for something that was organically done rather than a paid post or a paid promotion. So that worked really well, and then obviously we got, you know, Instagram and Facebook and wherever other channels they might have put it on. Yeah, and uh, so this is a bit of a hackneyed question in this world, but I'd still like to ask it. Give me an example of where something went horribly wrong, um, either in you know actually at the event or in the process of yeah. organising one. And so well, on. it was um, it was actually for the World Cup. Okay, uh, which which what sport the, we the last uh, football World Cup, okay. soccer World Cup. See. Uh, International audience, you got to get right. We were rushing to get the gamification uh, app ready uh, to link it with um, the game that we created. So it was you enter the cage, and the cage, so we had two different partners, and the cage had uh, touch points that you had to hit the ball against, against a timer. Yeah. Everything was kind of ready. We were working together as, you know, the main agency and then you know we have the agency in Lisbon we have the agency in London who create the the, the two other risk potential tests um, we were shipping it to Saudi Arabia it's not the easiest market to get technology in yes so we got held at customs uh -huh. so we're held at customs uh, and we're still trying to figure out how it connects from one to the other so we had to do that live on site so the guys flew in making sure that everything was trying to work, but we didn't have the physical hard equipment because it was held at customer. So how long before the event did you get the hardware so back? We got it, I think we had a day with it. Um, and we're going, we're ready, we're going to go live. And the venue themselves weren't ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> Everyone had flown over, the brands was there, my film team were there, ready to shoot the opening of the World Cup. 
And I think it was um, one of the Saudi and Egypt were playing. So it was a it was a big moment, and for this you know fan zone, and it didn't open. Okay. It it didn't open for another two days, so we missed the first two days of, of the World, World Cup. Cup. Okay. And thankfully, it wasn't to do no. with us. Well, that nearly was. Nearly was. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if the venue had been ready, you might have been the problem. We might have been the problem. But so we'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, yeah. Which was good because that actually gave us so two more days. Yeah. So how do you? You were there for that, were you? Yeah. So you're there with your team, the brand who yeah. paid you presumably a not insubstantial amount of money. How do you, what's your sort of style on this? Is it sort of Scottish and Hartlepool based brutal honesty or, you know, how do you play? Absolutely, you have to. It's, thankfully, you know, clients, they know how difficult it is to, to do work in the Middle East, you know, and yeah. getting stuff from customs. As much as we can plan and have those buffers in place, it just depends on who, the, who, who that person is at customs. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a, a fixer to go and make sure that we can get things done. There was air quotes there, as it always <laughs> is when people say fixer. Yeah. You know, someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone, yeah. you know, tried to... But, thank, I mean, the space was government-run as well, so they had they added the pressure to get things out, so we ended up getting everything out across the proper channels, which was good. And, the, you know, we're just there waiting you know, with a client and it's not as if we can have a beer either. No. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed no. not. There's always so much coffee you can drink. And, yeah. You know. So actually, look, so um, there are indeed some issues working in the Middle East, um, but we're here in Los Angeles uh, with a view of the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Um, tell me why, why Los Angeles? Um, two things. There's personal reason um, of, I've always wanted to work in the States. I've always I've loved LA. I enjoy it. You know, we've been coming here on holidays for the last four years. The mindset of the consumers in LA are very similar to Dubai. So the type of brands we work with within beauty, luxury, sport, and entertainment is very very similar. So for us to transition over with our mindset and hopefully with our work ethic, that will allow us to be, be in a very good place to to do our activations we here and, and experiences. We've delivered a couple of experiences already, one with Montclair, one with um, uh, Weary at CES, and they're an augmented reality company as well, uh, based out of Russia. So we've already, we've kicked off conversations, um, but also in Dubai, I've got a fantastic senior management team, and they're all really young. Dubai is, is a young mindset of um, kind of that level, and really what, what I want to ensure is that we allow them to break through the glass ceiling for me to move aside a little yep. bit, allow them to keep on progressing, let them win by themselves, let them fail by themselves, let them work things out. And that's the opportunity of making sure that they get better. Because when I try to recruit someone, I always try to recruit someone who will be better than me. I can see that or they already are better than me. I'm just not going to tell them that. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> very sensible. <laughs> very sensible. So it's, 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 it's that opportunity to allow them to keep on growing, take ownership and work as a team as well. You know, they have to figure things out and, you know, the guys who are there, some of the senior management team are as young as 29, um, I think. That know, is young. That is young. You know, That's so. two men with beards sitting here. That's <laughs> yeah. young. Grey beards. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's, that's white, not grey, anyway. <laughs> yeah, true. Sorry. <laughs> 
So for me, it's it's allowing them to keep on growing. We've got a great client base of client of clients and work that's coming up. You know, we're we're doing activations at the Expo twenty twenty yeah. with uh, Mastercard. Uh, we're doing some great tech stuff coming up there. I can't talk too much about it because it's it's still very much um, out there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that opportunity to come out here and, and work in LA and with the brands that we have. So you talked about Dubai when we mentioned it at the beginning as the land of opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly how people talk about LA. So there's a huge opportunity here in terms of, of clients, of brands, of friendly marketing dollars, because yeah. you know there's great consumers here. But it's also a crowded marketplace. You know, yeah. you're not going to be the only experiential agency here. What What do you think you're going to be able to offer that differentiates you in a marketplace as crowded as this? You know, that's that is a good question, and I keep on asking myself that and reminding myself the reason why I'm here. Yeah. You know, is there's um, at least twenty agencies of my space. Yeah. Um, at least, at least the ones that we've identified who who we see as competitors. We kind of then narrow down and, you know, there's another agency just opened up a couple of weeks ago from London who we would see as direct um, competitors. I think where we work uh, and how we work, that's going to be the main difference. You know, we've, we've been able to keep clients on a long-term basis for many, many years now. So that working in a partnership, working um, very transparently, and I think our work ethic is going to be that's going to be the, the game changer over here you know i fly to new york a lot we have lots of meetings with different clients and straight away when we present this is what we've delivered in the middle east where expectations and delivery levels are at a certain you know it's, it's it's a really high end consumers so every detail has to be perfect and that's what we're going to bring to this market yeah you know i've, I've been to a lot of events i've seen a lot of activations some have been really good. Production values have been really good. Some of it, you, you missed the, the storytelling, the narrative. Um, you know, sometimes I think they miss the point and they just create something because it looks nice. We are very much the opposite. So strategy confirms everything that we're going to do from a creative experience. Yeah. So that narrative, that storytelling, that engagement, that um, shareable by design, that's something that we are very much part of. and. The way we operate as an agency is, you know, culture is our competition. So we like to work at the speed of culture and culture changes every day. So I think that's really going to be our competition rather than other agencies. So um, we're getting to near the end of the podcast. I want to do two things. So one is our standard final question. But before we get to that, I just want to talk about the coronavirus. We both fly a lot. I'm starting to notice more masks being worn, even though they tell you that wearing yeah. masks doesn't actually help you. But from a you know an event point, you are in the event business, and events are being cancelled. Mobile yeah. World Congress went. TEC, they're talking about uh, cancelling. People are pulling out of places like South by. Yeah. In your business, what have you seen in terms of uh, you know impact in real life, and also? Going forward, even when we're through this particular crisis, as we will be, yeah. do you think there's anything that's going to change in terms of how people think about events? So I'm part of also Tribe Global, which is an independent network of agencies, so I sit on the board of that. We have our America's meeting um, two days before uh, South By starts. 
we've got clients already from Germany who have pulled out, who are coming over with agencies because of the coronavirus. You know, there's bans happening. I was talking to Culture Trip this morning and they're not coming to South by because of a company ban on, on travel. PlayStation are the same. So when we were working with, you know, you know PlayStation is a Middle East, you know, so it's, it's right across the region. And if they've got travel bans, that makes it really tough for them to activate. But also we've got clients coming over from Europe for events. And if they've got travel bans with a lot of these companies that they do at the moment, the events aren't happening. So yeah, so it's the brands themselves cancelling, even brand. notwithstanding any potential clients not being able to travel or yeah. you know, mass gatherings being yeah. put under pressure. So, the, and, you know, we're looking at sporting events. Yeah. Um, AC Milan, sorry, Inter Milan and Juventus potentially going to be closed behind closed doors. Yeah. We were talked about Liverpool potentially not winning the league because <laughs> of the coronavirus. Yeah. Bless them. Um, any, any excuse not to give them the, 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 the cup, the, the league. It is affecting, it's affecting businesses. You know, I've got friends, a lot of friends who owns PR agencies and activation agencies in Dubai. You know, we're in contact, you know, we talk to each other, we work with each other and they're saying the same things. Like how, how are we going to, you know, stand up for this? How are we going to diversify ourselves if we are in the events business? Um, Saudi Arabia for us is that market that's happening at the moment, you know, for us, that's a growth market for us. So we're, we're not necessarily just looking at Dubai as our own market, but there is, it's affecting the business. Mm. Um, you know, recruitment have been, a lot of companies are stopping recruiting where they were recruiting because it goes into the summer period and summers in the Middle East is dead because of the heat. Everyone leaves, everyone goes on holidays, they take a month long holiday in July and August. So a lot of clients are out of town. So this is peak seasons. So we, we literally work on a nine month year. So it is, it's affecting us. Um, and also presumably, you know, when money's already been spent and events get canceled, it can get very complicated. Very from, complicated. You know, we insurance. look at insurances. And, you know, at the moment we've got an event that we're looking at that potentially might be canceled. So we are talking to our insurance company to see can we be covered for this? Yeah. Are they and presumably your this? brand is also speaking to their insurance company. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so it's we're we're both in this situation. Um, you know, sometimes our client might pay twenty five percent upfront as a kickoff, um, but then we're relying on our tech partners to to bring their stuff. And if they're being held or things are being made in China, then that's affecting them. So we can't get some tech out of China because no one's making it and there's a, there, there will be a shortage of it. So that that is affecting us. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how this will play out because notwithstanding sort of the human impact of all of this, there's a huge business impact, particularly in the events business. Yeah. But also how do you, it's a very difficult one to resolve. You can't, you know, if we reach a stage where people aren't traveling, you know that's not sustainable for you know, for the world economy. Yeah. So it'd be very interesting to see how all that plays out in the yeah. medium term as well. You know, a few people are doing. I saw that they just cancelled the Geneva Motor Show. So a couple of the companies that are due to exhibit there are doing sort of live web streaming of yeah. the sort of launch of a product from their home base, which is fine. Yeah as a, an emergency stopgap, but it's not a sustainable way, given the whole point of what you do is about immersive storytelling, touch points, yeah. interactivity, experience. immersive it's experience. It. You know, it's actually having, physically engaging with that product. Um, 
you know, the drinks industry right now, I, I just read something, um, Corona themselves, bless them, yeah. um, their value just dropped 170 million because in China, no one's drinking, no one's going out. Yeah. So bars and restaurants are, are, are not functioning. And that again has an impact in the, the drinks industry because they see, oh, hold on a second, is this happening over there? Are we gonna have a shortage? Or should we just hold our budget spend until it clears up? Um, so it's affecting right across all industries. No, it's, I mean, it, I think it's going to be a very much wait and see, and uh, you know, over the next few weeks, depending on if they start cancelling very big sporting events, they start cancelling all these trade shows. Yeah, be very interesting to see how this plays out. But let's let's move on to the final question. So, as we ask all of our guests, um, if there's one technological change coming mm. that will change how you do your work, or a piece of innovation that will, you're looking forward to seeing that will change your world and your client's world, what would it be? I think now, just based on the conversation we've just had, you know, holographic, yeah, I think that's a technology that is, is not being used well. And I think a lot of it was due to the price of it. So if we were having an event, we, had, we recently had something with uh, Christian Louboutin in Dubai, we had the launch and Christian came along to the event. If he wasn't allowed to travel, then that's one way of bringing him to live to our event yeah. is by hologram. I mean, this is an, in the now in the short term, um, but that would be something that I would love to to do. I've never done it, and it's always been something that I've tried to sell in the past to clients. Um, but yeah, I think in the now, I think a holographic uh, in, inter interactive engagement. I think that would be pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, we are looking at OLED touchscreen technology as well. So with one of our clients um, being able to bring in dreams and talking about different things that will pop up and but it's, it's that real engagement and that's the kind of fun stuff. That's the sexy, it looks amazing. But yeah, I think that's in the night, holographic might be able to help our events. Yeah, yeah. very good. David Balfour, thank you very much for your time and good luck with your new adventures in Los Angeles. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Reality Show. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on social media at Reality Show Pod. Thank you.